This episode of Full Stack Radio is brought to you by Hired. If you're a developer, designer, or product manager who's looking for a new opportunity, head over to Hired's website and create a profile to start receiving offers from companies who need what you do. If you accept a job through Hired, you'll receive a $2,000 signing bonus, and if you sign up through Hired.com slash Full Stack Radio, they'll double that signing bonus to $4,000. So thanks again to Hired for sponsoring the podcast. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio Podcast, where I talk to people in the software industry about everything from user experience and product design to unit testing and system administration. I'm Adam Wyland, and as always, and today I'm here with uh, Jack McDade of uh, Statemic fame. How's it going, man? Good, how are you? Awesome. So, what's your story? Like, I know of you mostly because you did like the design for the Laravel site, and I didn't know you were the same guy who did Statemic until after that. And I know you helped Taylor with like the new Envoy site and, and stuff like that. So I kind of have you in my mind as more of a designer than a developer, but it sounds like you are definitely got some serious development chops too. So what's kind of the story there? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know the whole story because it keeps changing, um, but I'm self-taught. You know, everything I've like a lot of people in the industry, I just um, find a problem I want to solve and figure out whatever I need to learn along the way in order to uh, to solve it. And so that's meant development, design, marketing, entrepreneurship, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, so I've done a lot of um, things on the development side. I've done a lot of stuff on the design side, and I kind of like switching back and forth right now i'm on a big design kick so i design you know laravel.com envoyer the ui and the uh, marketing pages and stuff for that um i'm kind of cruising through a lot of design work but i'm pretty sure at some point i'll run out of creative juice and i'll just get right back to like ah screw it i need to get back into some code and that's just it's kind of how it happens um it also depends on who i end up working with on stuff so when I work with uh, Taylor Otwell, I'm definitely not the best coder on the project. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, so, you know, my design hat feels a little bit more comfortable there. And uh, Statimic has been, I've been the designer, I've been the developer, I've been the marketing guy, uh, sometimes all three at once, but uh, our, our team is growing there. And so, you know, we're working on version two, and I've not written as much code for two as I did on one. So it's uh, it's always changing. Cool. So have you been a designer longer than a developer or a developer longer than a designer? Or does any of that even mean anything? And it's just all been kind of one mishmash journey of building things and having to do it all. Well, I think I started with the design mode in Dreamweaver. So I guess about the same. Um, although that wasn't making good design or good code. So um, I'd say probably about the both, uh, about the both would be about the same. That's awesome. It's kind of rare to see someone, I guess, that uh, can kind of wear both hats and do a really good job at both. So that's really cool. So it's pronounced statimic. Eh? I've been pronouncing it statimic this whole time. Yeah, I think the way it's spelled, uh, the accent feels more natural on the second syllable. So sorry about that. Nobody can say it, and that's fine. I've just embraced it. Whatever, as long as you're using it or like don't have anything bad to say about it, it really doesn't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> so. I haven't actually used it myself, but I've been kind of looking into it a little bit more. And it sounds like it solves a lot of the problems that um, I've had with traditional CMSs in the past. Do you mind kind of giving the pitch for it and kind of explaining what the story is there and kind of what motivated you to build it in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So basically, Statimic is a flat file content management system. 
And by flat file, that means there's no database. So everything, your content, your configuration, uh, your templates, everything is uh, in a flat file that you can touch and therefore version control. And that's like the key and why it exists today because um, if you're someone who builds CMS websites where they do uh, WordPress work or craft or uh, whatever, um, expression engine, kind of from my past, I did some of that stuff. once you launch a site, you get to this point where um, you kind of really pigeonhole yourself in trying to make updates because you have to bring the site down, you have to sync the database, and it gets really gnarly, and you end up like constantly rebuilding the site from scratch over and over again because it's just easier. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's crazy. I mean, you're throwing away so much work there. So I'm like, if there's any way to version control all that stuff, like let's figure out a way to do it. And so we built Statomic. Um, now, there's flat file are like static site generators like Jekyll or Middleman. Um, And that's not what Statomic is, uh, which uh, solves the other side of the problem is, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could version control everything? Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, Our client's never going to use that. They're never going to log in and uh, or there's nothing to log into. You're just like, here, put a markdown file over here and then like run this script and you're just not going to do that. Um, So Statomic also has a control panel. And so you can log in and you know you can make content changes. You can um, write, uh, you know, blog posts, news posts, schedule stuff for the future, all that kind of stuff. You can have membership. You can have dynamic forms and everything that you would expect in a regular CMS. So it's kind of all the features of a full CMS with all the benefits of a flat file uh, generator. So that's cool. Yeah, I actually talked to Eric Barnes a little bit about this problem on the second episode in general, where like. And lots of the you know jobs I've had in the past, we've done uh, WordPress sites for clients, and it's been just such a nightmare to manage like a staging environment and a production environment. So if you're like making all these changes, and like you know half the changes that you're making to the theme are actually changes that you're making in some config panel, admin panel somewhere where you're flicking switches and stuff, and literally like the the way that we were deploying these changes was just like keeping track like what did i change and then like go to production and just change them all in the same order as fast as you possibly can and try to keep (laughs) everything synchronized right and you kind of have like two sides of things too right there's like the config settings which uh sorry not even necessarily the configuration settings but like the site sort of theme settings and stuff that you definitely want to deploy to production, like stuff you want to be able to test out on staging and deploy to production. But then like content is kind of separate. Like you don't want to push and override like the production content. So if someone's making changes to like production content and you're still working on some changes to the staging environment, you want to be able to push that stuff and not have that stuff conflict. Is that easy to do with Statomic? Like kind of keeping that separation between yeah, that's, those two worlds? It's definitely a real world problem and you can't just stomp over production. That's that's no good. So um, we have a couple different um, methods based on you know how you like to work. Um, we have revisions built in the control panel that can hook right into Git or GitHub. And so when you make content changes, they can commit them right to your repo. Then when you're in, you know, on development or staging, you can pull them back in and make sure everything looks good before you roll out your, you know, your template or your config changes back up to production. Uh, the other thing you could do is just, you know, SSH into your production server, commit everything that's all the files that have been changed, and then, you know, pull that back down or push that up to GitHub or whatever. So, you know, there's a couple of different paths. I think some other people have, have gotten pretty creative with, symlinking content folders and r-syncing stuff and i mean because it's files you really can invent your own workflow like yeah whatever you want to do to get the right files where you want them to be 
that's fine. Um, you know, there are some patterns that people do that save you a lot of time, but yeah, it's like, it's as simple as it can possibly be, right? It's like, it's files. So just exactly. get the files from yeah. here to there and yeah. I mean, ignore you have the to, files you have that to have you don't PHP, want to keep. Or... Uh, because there is a dynamic aspect to it, but, sure. um, but it is just get the files there and everything else you know, will take care of itself. Awesome. Yeah. So how, how long has Stanoic been around for now? Um, it is March, so it's almost been around three years. Which awesome. is like, we're like the grandpappies in the software world. We've been around forever. <laughs> yeah, totally. Did you build it entirely by yourself originally? Or uh, was there a team of people working on it? I know like on your, is it Wilderborn? Is that how you yep, pronounce it? Like so I see that there's three of you guys on there that seem to be like all kind of involved in it. Did those guys come on like after? They came on after. Uh, yep. So I actually started this with um, my buddy uh, who's local to me, Mubs or Mabasher Iqbal. And... Mm. Um, you probably, he's actually the one who recommended you interview me. And so he, we started Statimic together and we got to about, well, we got past 1.0. So we got the, you know, the actual product out the door together. Um, and then, you know, he kind of got caught up in a new company and stuff. And so he, he sort of um, uh, took a step out. And um, another friend of mine, Fred LeBlanc, came in and worked on it for a while. He's actually since left. And so now it's um, still me because this is my, this is my baby. I love this <laughs> CMS. Um, yeah. But Jason Varga and uh, Gareth Redfern are really involved as well. Um, and the three of us basically are Wilderborn, which we managed, you know, we build support Statomic. And now we have this new app, Photoshoot, which I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about. Um, and hopefully other things too. We just love building stuff. Awesome. So it, I was looking at the website a little bit and it sort of looked like maybe you do like client work and stuff as well, or is it just dynamic pays all the bills? Yeah, we do client work too. I think, um, it's, you know, it's nice to have some extra money cause, uh, software, some months are up and some months are down like Statomic, yeah. uh, doesn't have, it's not a SaaS model, right? So yeah. we're selling a per site license. Some months we're like, man, it's, it's awesome to be us. And some months are like, I hope they come back. I hope they <laughs> would love to build another site. Um, so, you know, client work helps us, A, round those peaks and valleys out a little bit, but also helps keep us using our own products. So we try to do stuff like build an add-on for Statomic, um, build a large Statomic site. And so we're actually using our own product and finding bugs that we didn't know about or finding new you know, opportunities for features and that kind of thing. Uh, we also really love Laravel. And so we can't help ourselves, but sometimes build some Laravel stuff for people just because it's just so much fun. Cool. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that, but it totally makes sense that most of your client work would be, you know, you're the guys who built Statomic. So when someone wants someone to build them a Statomic site, you're kind of the the ultimate people to go to to do it. So it makes exactly. sense to do a lot of work that way. How is your time kind of divided there? I've always worked in like the agency consulting world building stuff for other people. So it's interesting to me to talk to people who kind of do both and figure out like what the balance is and what kind of they prefer and what they want to spend more time doing and what they want to spend less time doing. And what's that kind of like for you? Yeah, I, I just like to go where the momentum is, um, which works for me. Uh, I'm not sure everybody operates that way, but when I'm really pumped for a feature, like, sorry, like nothing else is going to get done until I finish it. <laughs> like that might be 15 minutes. It might be 15 hours. Uh, it might be three days. Um, sometimes, you know, you're never going to, when you're in that groove, when you're like banging something out, you're never going to get it as done as fast and as good as when you're still in the groove. 
So yeah, sure. I really like staying in, in the groove. And if if you're out of the groove, like you know, you're banging your head and like you've spent four hours and you've gone nowhere, you can't even like close a single support ticket. You're like, all right, so we're going to take a break from this. <laughs> we're going to go work yeah. on something else. And I mean, nine times out of 10, you come back, whatever you were working on before, like it just fits back into place. So trying not to bang your head too Bang, bang your head too hard against a single problem and go where the momentum is. And, you know, and I, you know, obviously deadlines and launch dates and commitments have to come into play to all of that. Like you can't just freestyle your way through existence, but within boundaries, that's how I like to operate. Cool. I was actually doing some poking around online, trying to find out more about what you do and stuff. And I stumbled upon the interview that you did for ways we work. Okay. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because um, Amanda, who runs that, is local to me. She lives in, um, you know, the Tri-City area that I'm in and actually interviewed me for that site as well. So it's kind nice. of a small world to find. I just got this uh, thank you card from her in the mail literally yesterday <laughs> saying, you know, that that interview is like one of the most popular ones on the site. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> a little, that's awesome. A little write-up and a picture of my desk that I'm sitting at here, <laughs> which is not as clean as when I took a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I didn't even take a picture of my own desk for mine. I used a coworker at the office that I was in at the time. Peter, man. <laughs> um, true confessions of a developer. Yeah, true confessions. But uh, yeah, no, I was reading that and um, it's, it was kind of an interesting change of pace to kind of read about some of your opinions on, on some stuff because it, it really sounds like reading that that you're someone who just likes to build stuff and, ca- and cares way more about what they're building than they care about like, you know, the technology side of it. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty accurate. I mean, not, uh, not a hundred percent of the time. Cause sometimes you get in one of those cycles where you're starting a new product or a, you know, a feature or something and you're convinced there's a better JavaScript library out there. And so you, you go through like the whole, like maybe it'll be angular. No, it'll be Ember. No, it's actually probably going to be react. And then you're like, eh, screw it. We're just going to do uh, <laughs> jQuery and just going to get it done. So yeah, you know, just if you sat there on Twitter and clicked every link that came through, like you'd never get anything done. Like you can over, you can over architect, you can watch every screencast on every programming language and every framework. And you could get so worried that you're going to have the right package or the right interface pattern. And, you know, then they're really going to like your software. But most of the time they're not looking at your code. And if it's a SaaS app, they're definitely not looking at your code. God, I hope not. And so just make it work first and then try and fix the stuff before anyone realizes it's broken. I mean, you know, it's not the best way to do everything, but there's, if you don't ship it all, what are you doing? I mean, yeah. And, and I'm, I, I'm completely a hundred percent guilty of that. Like I so easily get pulled into, you know, I find one topic and then it's like absorb everything that exists in the universe about this topic, read every article, watch every conference talk, whatever. And you're totally right that it just prevents you from, getting anything done and probably the best way to learn something is to just force yourself to actually do it and you know learn the stuff that you need to learn as you do it and i don't know that's a hard habit to get into i think for for people who just want to read and absorb and i'm totally one of those people so is that like a conscious decision that you try and make to like keep yourself producing or do you think it's just a personality thing no i it, i like producing i like actually shipping features creating new things whether they're mine or someone else's idea or whatever um i'd much rather do that than 
you know, go back and refactor code with a different framework that nobody's using anyway. So I feel better about it. I don't know. I, I just, I, it's just not the way I operate. I, uh, I like building stuff. And if you constantly are looking at what everybody else is doing, I mean, by the time you're tweeting something or you're showing a, some, you know, a, a comp or, um, a video or whatever, you're, you're looking at the best case version, the most optimistic, you know, peak of anybody's project is, is what they're tweeting, what they're sharing. And everyone's doing that. And it feels like everybody's doing better work than you because what you're seeing is the tips of everybody's icebergs. But if you just ignore all that stuff and just get stuff done, like before you realize it, you've got three or four of them of your own. So, yeah, for sure. So, so where do you kind of like look for inspiration for stuff to build? Like, I'd like to talk about this photoshoot.io thing that you just kind of put out in the last couple of days. Cause I know you're into photography and stuff, right? So do you just kind of like, I mean, so where did that come from? Like, where did the need for building that up come from? Or what the, what's that app all about? We might as well just get right into it. Sure. Yeah. So photoshoot, uh, photoshoot.io is, um, basically a photo gallery site, a photo gallery service, um, that's powered by Dropbox. So kind of like, a. uh, a real world use case would be, you know, um, both my sisters are professional photographers and every time they do a photo shoot, you have to deliver all the files. They want to take a look at them, um, pick their selects and then just, you know, download all the full res images, right? So there's a couple of apps out there um, that kind of accomplish this. They are, you know, between 20 and 30 bucks per photo shoot or they're like 50 bucks a month or whatever. And you have to sit there and upload the images like one at a time and like write out all the stuff. I'm like, dude, just they're already putting everything in Dropbox. Why don't we just hook up Dropbox, pull in the images automatically, just create thumbnail versions of them and, you know, let them set passwords like that would be super useful. Like my sisters would use it. I would use it. It's enough for me. Um, so I pitched that to Jason, um, you know, at Wilderborn, my uh, teammate and he's like that sounds like a really fun app to build like hey there's this library we're looking at you know fly system does you know um, dropbox and uh, aws integration so we're like kind of piecing together some open source you know framework like libraries and stuff to see like how much of the work we can kind of jump start and before you know it we had like something that sort of worked and then we had something that sort of looked good and <laughs> it was yeah, product. Totally. and now it's when did you, know, you guys- it does work and it does look pretty good how has the reception been so far? It's you kind of have like a public beta thing going on right now. Yeah, right? yeah, we have um, like a early early access private beta going on right now. We're letting um, you know about a hundred people a day in, uh, just because we're not entirely sure about how it's going to scale, uh, and sure. it's doing really well. So we're really happy about that. Um, you know, there's you're just not sure like what it's like to catch thousands of Dropbox webhooks like at once and see like what happens. Yeah. So um, it's going another well. one of those things that you could just uh, you know spend weeks and weeks trying to figure out in advance, or you can just put it up there and see what yeah. happens. And, yeah, we and worked, deal with it, right? We worked out all the kinks we could find, and um, it's really good. Uh, I think you had a question though, and I already forgot what it was. I was going to ask you like, um, how long ago did you actually start working on it? Like how long has the development cycle been on it so far um it's march six weeks wow that's awesome yeah so a lot of people probably wouldn't put something out that quick (laughs) (laughs) so i think that again comes down to 
kind of your personality as far as just wanting to get stuff done and yeah how how far along would you say it is like so you know i'm really into reading about all the like lean startup stuff um is it, are you into that stuff at all like that whole world i mean you are into entrepreneurship and all that stuff so or is it just like the podcasts are way too long i can't <laughs> <laughs> as we record one that will be of questionable length um <laughs> I don't have the time to read that stuff uh, or listen to the podcasts on everybody. I mean, it's not that I don't read anything because I certainly do. I just, yeah. I kind of, I know what I want. I know what I want to build. I know people who can use it. And so my go-to method is to just, um, I don't like, well, slow grow is a bummer because it's slow, but um, I'd rather build something that's useful for some people that I know or people like me and then kind of have word of mouth grow and kind of have a slower growth pattern rather than try and blitz it right off the bat and then be so overwhelmed either by success or failure that it either, you know, it might fail, right? So if if something grows too fast and you can't handle it, so you'd start taking on VCs and you're taking money and uh, you're hiring people and buying cool chairs and stuff, um, you know, you're not focusing on the product. So I figure... Just focus on the product. Make it really good. Make it fun to use. I like making stuff that's fun to use. That's pretty important to me. Uh, and then see what happens. And, you know, this is like my second or third real product that's been, you know, that we own. Um, but hopefully it will not be the last. Yeah, I guess what I mean is um, it seems like you have a pretty good idea of, uh, you know, if you launch this thing in six weeks, then you obviously have a pretty good idea of how to figure out, you know, what is important to it? What do we actually have to build? What's like the smallest thing that we can build that we can ship in the shortest period of time so we can get people, you know, actually playing with it. And I think a lot of people would get stuck uh, working on something for a year or two years trying to figure, oh, we can't launch it until it does this. So it would be so much better if it does this. And you got to find a way to get some validation before that point, before you've spent a whole year on something. Like, how do you like this might be a terrible idea. Like we have, <laughs> we have a couple hundred people that seem to like it, but it might still be terrible because that sample size is really small, right? So if I, if I use this as validation and say, look, like we've already got people paying for it, it's still in beta and they like literally were trying URLs to find a way to find the billing section to put their card in, like that's cool, they must like it. Um, but those might be the only people who do. So I want to get it out there, get it in real people's hands and, you know, like, Maybe that means we don't launch with 400 upvotes on Product Hunt on like day two. Like yeah. that's that's okay. Like if it it'd be great if we could get it on Product Hunt or if it will show up on you know whatever Y Combinator. But um, those bursts don't sustain you. Like they certainly can help. They can help get that word of mouth going quicker to start. But yeah, constantly improving your product, putting it out there. Being good with support, answering people, talking to them, engaging with them on Twitter or whatever, that stuff lasts longer and builds more evangelists. And so people, Statimic would not be around if, uh, would not be around today if people didn't love it and tell other people about it. Because we certainly don't tell enough people about it. Yeah, yeah. You know? For sure. Other people do that for us. Yeah. So you said... You've been working on it for about six weeks now. And I know like in that Ways We Work interview that you did, I was reading, it sounds like you're a pretty big believer in like a good work to life kind of balance and only working, you know, not crazy hours during the week, like a 40 hour week is kind of ideal. So how much of those six weeks were actually spent developing this thing versus, you know, client stuff or statomic support stuff or, or, you know, anything else that you're working on? 
I have no idea. Jason did a lot of the code, and uh, he's an animal, so he could have been... There were just like piles of commits coming in around the clock. So I think, I think as far as like the core functionality, it was pretty intense um, yeah. for a short window. Um, and then you know after we got the prototype, you know like hey this thing works. Look the photos like come in and they thumbnail and all that stuff. Like this could happen. Oh it syncs. Cool. Then we started working through the UX of it, and it started to be, you know, a couple hours here, you know, four hours there, a late night with some coffee, and just trying to work out all the different pieces. So, and that kind of fits around the other stuff that we have to do, like, you know, fix bugs and release features for Statomic and a couple of client things. So, you know, we had a lot of momentum on that core, and we just pushed and pushed and pushed on it until it felt like it was stable and then we took a step back and kind of sliced out some more work and put it together so i mean it's in really good state like we're probably gonna just launch it in the next week or so would be my guess unless somebody finds something critical wrong with it but um why wait i think the uh, way that you guys did that is totally the right way to do it there's like a 37 signals i think it's a quote in the rework book that like inspiration is perishable right so if you have an idea for something you have to just grind on it while you're excited about it because if you don't get it done while you're excited about it you're not going to get it done and you're not going to be excited about it forever that's exactly that's exactly it and i think if it took anything longer than six weeks, like we wouldn't have done it, you know? Like we felt we could bang this out really quick and it'll exist or we're just gonna throw it away, like if we can't get there. So you have to, we were super excited about it and so it happened. You mentioned like you're tracking like when someone has looked for the payment page and stuff like that. It brings me to another idea. As someone who's like a developer for the most part, right? I'm just like writing code um, for client work and stuff like that, not putting out too much of my own stuff as far as like, I'm trying to like launch a product. What is involved that you think someone who's mostly just writing code is not going to think about as far as, you know, people forget about all the work that has to be put into building out functionality to like a B test to landing pages or all the stuff that's like not related to the core functionality, but you know, reporting and analytics and tracking and how much time is spent in that sort of world versus just building out the functionality? What are some things that people need to be able to do that maybe are not something that would immediately come to mind? Yeah, that entire side of the coin is like a black hole that will suck everything out of you. Uh, <laughs> like there, there's there's no amount of time that is enough. Like there's always more that you can do, right? You can always uh, be writing more blog posts and tweeting and answering people and looking for people and trolling on forums, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's, I think it's really important to have clear documentation if it's the kind of software that needs docs, clear support path, be vocal on Twitter, either as a company or as a product. You have to be accessible. And um, all of those things take time because you need to create you know, all your profiles. You need to have... You know, we like to pull a lot of stuff into Slack so we know when things happen because email is just, there's just too much of it. I can't even pull anything out of it. So setting up all the ways to collect the data that you'll need so that you know where it is when you need it is really important. Um, uh, It's not just about the code. I mean, it just takes time to make 
Twitter icons and Facebook icons and favicons and like all the little things you're like, sweet, we're going to ship it. Let's just uh, uh, get the SSL cert. And then <laughs> there's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg of all the stuff that's yet to come. Um, How much time would you say, like what percentage was just put into like the polish necessary to be able to show people the thing? You know what I mean? I feel like when you're just building functionality, you can crank something out you know, something that's going to take a day's worth of code to be able to say, like, this is something that works. To put something in that people are actually going to use, I feel like that's only like 25% of the uh, puzzle, you know what I mean? Yeah. The polish, I think, is is probably more than 50% of the project. Like, yeah. if, you've, if you've built the prototype or you've got the thing that you need to sell, like, this is what people are going to pay for. It's like, wonderful, you've got that part. Now you have to build the entire skeleton muscle system nervous system to put that heart into because you got to have it like people expect a certain level of usability design style um uh, docs support all that kind of stuff they expect all of it and if if they're missing more than two two or three things out of ten like they're just gonna roll it up and throw it away like just you can forget about something so quickly i've signed up for so many betas and by the time they get the beta email I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> and like we've launched, and then they don't even say what it was they launched. I'm like, I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Like you're missing vowels. What is it? And like, I don't, it's hard <laughs> to even vowels. tell what the original word was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like anytime I I'm going to build something, I always drastically underestimate how much time is just going to get sucked out of me. Just like building markup and CSS and some of that stuff can just like take forever to do a halfway decent job on like the PHP is working, you know, it's saving in the database, it's processing the stuff, however you want it. But to actually turn it into something user facing that people can actually use, it's, it's crazy how much of that work is involved there. And uh, yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, so what else is going on? Like, wh- what are you interested in these days? What is, uh, you know, what are you excited about? What am I excited about? He's, I'm excited about spring, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to get out of this office. For sure. You're in New York, right? So you I'm in New York. Uh, yeah. Upstate, I think. Yep. Upstate, uh, north of Albany. Um, and I, we only just this week started to see our grass. So I'm pretty yeah. excited about what that means. Um, I can get my bike out. I can actually go hiking again. I think that's part of why in the cold months we just try and build as much stuff as possible because as soon as it gets nice <laughs> out like mm, that's where my passion is i just i need to i mean obviously i gotta get stuff done but i'm i'm now thinking about getting out instead of like getting back into code so yeah we're in the same boat like i'm living canada right so oh, you get yeah. the just as bad weather as we do but uh it sucks and we're in the same situation just starting to get the grass you know everything's muddy and disgusting and horrible we just got a new puppy this week so taking her out in the mud has been a, a fun experience <laughs> but yeah i'm looking forward to that being over too uh maybe a total change of pace here i noticed that you're into crossfit yes and that you do that like four or five days a week uh, yeah, and I normally do. I've had a, a series of like setbacks with weird physical stuff. I had my wisdom teeth out, and that was yeah. awful. And a couple couple weeks setback, and now I've got some like weird chest inflammation stuff. But uh, yeah, that's totally irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> in general, CrossFit is something I like to do. Yeah, three or four times a week, and it's 
really good workout, especially in the winter. It's something to do. Um, I lost like 50 pounds. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, it it's it's awesome. I love it. I love the community aspect to it. I love um, going, just kind of hanging out there and just chatting with people afterwards. And it's just, it's a really cool community of people that, that honestly feels like family in a way, even though I've only been going there for like six months. It's, it's cool. And I, I hear that story a lot. I mean, this is the only CrossFit gym I've ever been to. Um, but I hear that story and like people say, Oh, you do CrossFit. Cool. And then you're like immediately talking about something. So it's like a another thing you have in common with people. Yeah, you know? I think that's like one of the biggest draws to it. The only reason I bring that up is because it's kind of an interesting topic to me because uh, I'm a powerlifter. I'm a powerlifting for like oh, nice. five years now. Yeah. <laughs> so when I noticed that, I was like, oh, that's cool. Maybe we have something to talk about there. So I train with a guy who's also really into CrossFit too. So I've done a couple of those workouts. But for me, rather than like doing CrossFit and losing 50 pounds, I got into powerlifting and gained like 80 pounds. So, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> how much do you deadlift, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's fun. Um, yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. I was actually thinking about building like an app at one point for um, like helping CrossFit gyms like kind of manage all the stuff that they do. I know there's like a couple like competitors in this space. Does your gym have like Wad tools or whatever the hell that thing's called? Like uh, uh, Wadify, yeah, Wad Builder, Wadify. I think. Wad, yeah, Wadify. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, no, they haven't gone to Wadify yet. Well, I think I think one of the coaches uses it for fun. Uh, they're doing like the mind body stuff and they pitched me like, let's build it. Let's build like the competitor to Wattify. I'm like, we totally could. Or like, I could totally build something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like as soon as you open that floodgate, you're, you're talking about this, another whole industry full of features and like legacy. And I mean, maybe I'll tackle that. It could, it could happen. I might build a better crossfit gym manager why not but, yeah. <laughs> but also sure. why i don't know we'll see <laughs> yeah totally uh so do you have any other hobbies that are kind of inspiring any software related ideas like a photo shoot um other things that inspire software i don't know i'm trying to get back into video a bit lately um just i used to do a lot of video work for fun like before i got into the web i wanted to go to film school and i was enrolled uh uh in full sale i'm in orlando they have like a okay two year, yeah, 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 yeah a lot of people have heard of them they they're pretty cool um but then like i met this girl who i ended up like marrying and have like kids and stuff so like <laughs> i didn't i didn't do that and so part of me still like wants to just tell stories like i like to write i like to um edit video i like to film do photos and so as much as i love software designing and building software because i feel like software kind of is like its own sort of story, or at least people have their own sort of story around using it. Like, you know, you're building a website and the website is for a company and these people have done this, you know, and their parents started it. And, you know, there's like a story to all, to all of it. And so I really like that. Um, so I started picking up a little bit of video work just, just to keep me creatively um, stimulated. So I'm going to Ireland next month um, to do like a five day video shoot. And um, for, for like a, a client for that website, it's like an Irish tour company that my cousin owns. And so, you know, it'll just be fun to do something different, just like tool around Northern Ireland with a camera and a backpack and see what happens and what comes out of it and hopefully make a really cool looking website out of it. So, um, that'll be fun. Like, you know, that's, I'm not going to retire on that kind of work, but it, I'm excited about it. And so why not? Awesome, man. That's really cool. Is there anything, uh, that's kind of piquing your interest in the like 
technical world lately as far as software goes? Like any, uh, are you excited about React.js or whatever? No, you know, anything? I'm not excited about React.js. You know, JavaScript just doesn't get me going. Like, I need it. I, I love it. I write, I don't know. Like, everyone loves arguing about, like, Angular, Backbone, React, and it's just like, I'll just pick one, and then I'll just use it because it has the features. Um, I don't know. I love Laravel. I'm I, Honestly, I'm just really excited about Laravel 5 is awesome. I mean, we could not have built Photoshoot in like six weeks, even on Laravel 4. Like, it's just so good. Like, it, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it brings the kind of tools, like as a PHP developer, that I tried to switch to Rails for like five years ago. You know, like yeah, yeah. I wanted uh, like an easy user auth system and I wanted migrations and I wanted all this stuff, but I had to learn a new programming language to do it. Yeah. And until you know so you start doing that and like then the whole thing about the rails world it's like where do i launch it like where do i host this thing and it's this other whole like dirty secret yeah. they're like we just pay heroku a fortune but <laughs> 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 yeah. we didn't have any other choice yeah totally especially if you're someone who's like always written php right and you have no idea what it's like to host some other language that's not like php where it's built for the web like the whole reason it exists is to work on the web so it's so straightforward yeah like Um, worst case scenario like you ssh into production and like you just print r something and you're like oh okay that's what it is like i now i gotta go build logs into this thing like i can't do that with rails i can't just like sneak into it and like spit debug code out like I don't know, maybe you can, but I could never figure out how to do it. So when you say like you're excited about Laravel and you think it's so good, is it because of the fact that it just lets you build this stuff really quickly and, and lets you bring your ideas to life? Is that kind of your criteria for what makes a framework like that good? Absolutely. Um, like Photoshoot, the the part that makes it an app, something that's worth using is is the 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 sync tool that connects your Dropbox account to our app and like re you know builds your profile and galleries for you automatically right so like that yeah. part is like mm, 10 maybe 15% of the code base of like stuff that you had to write the rest of it is you know billing stripe integration uh you know database you know account settings all that kind of stuff and so if i want the code that we write to make my product unique to be as much of that base as possible and the rest get out of the way now if i had to use another framework, like if I was using CodeIgniter, I think our core code would be like 1% or like 0.1% of the stuff we had to do. So Laravel is saving so much boilerplate code. It's letting us do so much more in, in less time and also make it easier to to change. So like that ability to change uh, your code, change your features, pivot without having to you know, take your site down for hours or worry about it, it's just invaluable, right? So you just create a migration, uh, you know, you juggle your stuff around in, in your migration, you deploy it, boom, you're done, you know? So, you know, as someone who is really just, not just interested, but most excited about being able to like build products and push stuff out there, I'm guessing things like uh, the active record versus data mapper debate or any of this stuff is like just not interesting to you at all. <laughs> nope. I want, <laughs> I want, I don't know, whichever one had the better docs and lets me write less code is the one that works <laughs> well for me. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, that's bitten me a few times. You, you know, you pick something and then down the road, you kind of have to like surgically remove it back out and replace it with the thing you should have used. And sure. so like, that's bound to happen. But I feel like on the whole, uh, by not, by not caring about the battles like that, I, 
I built a thing, it exists, and we'll just, yeah. you know. I think it's a really refreshing perspective, right? Like, you see someone like you now who, you know, has Statomic that's out there doing great, and now you have Photoshoot that you just put out, uh, to see, like, okay, so the people who are actually putting stuff out there and, you know, feeling rewarded by being able to push something out and have people use it and get people excited about it. The people that are having that sort of success and enjoying the stuff that they're doing don't care about any of this other stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not important. What's important is like solving problems for people and getting the stuff up there so people can use it and people can enjoy it and people can, you know, love the products that you're making. So it's nice to kind of take a step back sometimes and think like, what am I actually doing here? Like, do these details like actually matter that much? Or should I just focus on trying to build really cool stuff and choosing the tools that are going to get out of my way so that I can feel good about the stuff that I'm making for other people to be able to use. Yeah, and, and if if you're stumped in how to do that, just build something for an audience that isn't an elite user, you know? Like, Photoshoot, honestly, it's really simple. Like, my sister can use it. I could probably get my mom to figure out how to use it, um, you know? Like, it's not that hard. You, like put some pictures in a folder on your desktop and like all of a sudden yeah. you get like a URL with a gallery. It's like really easy. And then you type in a password and then now no one can see it. Like that's really simple. Um, you know, if you're building a really elite product, you, you know, something geared for high-end developers or you're building frameworks, like I don't want to build a framework like that's going to be picked <laughs> apart from the inside out from the entire community. Like my code's not that good. Like I'm just, yeah, sure. I'm using the best parts of everyone else's code. And then we work really hard on, you know, a really unique idea and hammer it out. So, so how, how does Photoshoot actually work? Like I want to kind of talk about what the user experience there is. I have kind of an idea in my head and maybe you can validate or tell me what I'm thinking that's incorrect. So the idea is that, you know, you have this uh, folder full of photos that you want to turn that into a gallery that someone can go and they can view everything and you can have multiple galleries, right? So is it as simple as there's like one folder in your Dropbox that's the one that's linked with Photoshoot and subfolders in that tied directly to, you know, each one is a gallery? Bingo. Yep. So whatever that folder name you know, you've got your, um, you know, jack.photoshoot.io slash folder name, and that's going to give you a gallery index of all the photos in that Dropbox folder. And it's synced live. So if you add photos or change the file names or uh, or if you drop a cover.jpg photo, that'll make a big, you know, full width cover image. Or if you drop yeah. Uh, logo.png in the root that'll like replace your logo and so all you do is just drop some files in and you're done so how do you set it up you log into Photoshoot. do you have to go through like some sort of picker and kind of choose well this is the dropbox folder that i'm using or nope you just convention you, you or... click register and it does the dropbox um oauth integration so you don't have to really do anything all of a sudden you're logged in um it creates there, there's two kinds of Dropbox apps. There's like full access where, you know, they can get it all of the, they can see all the folders and photo um, files in your Dropbox account. Uh, or you have, um, they're called, I think they're, they're app, app apps. I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Um, they're like, <laughs> they're more, they're more sandbox. So it creates uh, an apps slash photoshoot.io. Okay, so it creates the folder. Yeah, so like I think uh, day one does the same thing. Like if you if you use an iOS app that has a Dropbox integration, like it creates that folder. Um, So basically, you get a a dedicated directory and everything. And so you know whatever goes in there, that's what Photoshoot sees. So so then the whole experience is literally 
this amount of steps. It's go to the photoshoot.io website, click sign in with Dropbox, right? So it's the whole thing is linked to Dropbox. I can't work without Dropbox. So just authorizing with Dropbox is, makes totally the most sense. So you don't even have to type anything, right? Just sign in with Dropbox, allow, it creates a folder, dump your photos into that folder and you're done. Now you can just go to URLs and it's going to have galleries yep. available for you. That's, That's amazing. it. And then in the, in the control panel, you can, uh, you know, you can set some stuff like you can set the date that the photo shoot happened. Cause you know, if you're exporting photos out of Lightroom or Aperture, like, you know, if you've shrunk them, they're going to have a different time. Different stamp timestamps, all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can set the timestamp. Uh, you can turn the password on, um, you can, you know, rename the, the, the title. You can hook up your Twitter account and, you know, 500 pics and yeah. Flickr and all that, that stuff and make a little profile. But you don't have to do any of that. Like, yeah. it's, it's functional without The simplest it. one is two clicks, a drag and drop, and go to a URL and you're done. That's pretty much That's it. really cool. That's a very uh, clever idea. And then when your trial runs out, like, put your credit card in. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, yeah. that's awesome. That's a really... Uh, man, I can't think of, you know, a way that anyone could possibly make that any simpler. So I think people are going to be pumped about that. That's really yeah. cool. And uh, I mean, we might use the same sort of approach for other industries too. Hint, hint. So we'll see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about? Gosh, I don't know. We haven't talked about politics yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can probably avoid that. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so is there anything else maybe you want to plug besides uh, Statomic and uh, Photoshoot.io? Uh, I really want to, but it's too early. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. There's another thing. Well, just, just watch your Twitter, maybe, and we'll yeah. get people excited my, and start I, uh, the uh, secret buzz going. Exactly, yeah. My, my goal is to try and launch something each quarter this year. So, um, Photoshoot.io, we're still inside Q1. There'll be something uh, for Q2. And then also, we're working pretty hard on um, Statomic 2.0, which is going to be really fun too. So, is Statomic 2.0 count as one of your you know, four products that you want to release this year? I think I'm probably going to count it as one because it's a lot of work. <laughs> no, that's pretty ambitious and pretty awesome. Like, uh, do you find just like setting goals like that and just kind of deciding, you know, I'm going to put out four things this year? That seems like a really powerful way to keep yourself productive to me. I think so. That or or to like make four pretty big mistakes i don't know <laughs> i mean better better to launch four things and have one of them work than launch one thing and have it not work you know like that could take yeah. that could take four years if you're building one product a year yeah so yeah do you have any yeah. advice for people maybe who you know kind of get paralyzed and need to just figure out a way to just do stuff and just start working because i think a lot of people fall into that trap myself included sometimes i know it's the same advice like for losing weight stop putting the freaking food in your freaking mouth like you <laughs> if you want to finish a product just don't leave your computer just keep working on it <laughs> and then when it's done you click deploy or whatever it is like it's i don't know there's it's really hard there's no magic sauce you have to you have to care enough and you have to push yourself hard enough to just like you know probably make a couple of sacrifices on launch week because everything's going to break and mm -hmm. it's going to be a disaster for like two hours somewhere. But then it's going to be live. And then, you know, you've got a thing. Just, but you just I have think, to. Uh, no, you can't. No one else can do it for you. Like if it's your product, even if you have a team, there's, there's some point during the project where the owner of the product has to push unbelievably hard on themselves to make it happen. And so um, that's all I can say is like, You've got to do it. You got to push really hard, and you have to stop caring about what you know the proverbial internet thinks about it. Because 
yeah, someone's going to trash it because it's similar to their product that they didn't ship because they're still working on it. You know, like that's just going to happen. But you're going to find people who like it. There's there's bound. If you like it, there's someone similar enough to you who's going to like it, too. So just find them. Awesome. So what's the best way for like people to keep up with what you're doing or get in touch with you? Yeah, um, at Jack McDade on Twitter. I'm probably most prolific on Twitter. I'm, I get way too many emails to respond uh, quickly, but I'm, I certainly try to. Uh, Jack at jackmcdade.com. Um, or you can uh, you know, see what we're working on on wilderborn.com. That's kind of the, the parent company that owns Statomic and Photoshoot. And so that's where we kind of make the magic happen. Awesome, man. Well, I'll definitely link to all these cool products of yours in the show notes for people to check them out how can someone get into uh the the private beta for photo shoot um yeah that's a good question when does this go live when does this podcast go uh, live? i'll probably i'll probably put this out on monday so march 23rd something like that okay uh go to photoshoot.io slash start and uh, that'll let you in so like that's basically the secret of our private beta <laughs> is like a url that's not linked on the homepage. so good luck with that <laughs> awesome man well thank you so much for coming on this has been really fun hey thanks a lot i appreciate it so uh show notes for this episode are going to be found at fullstackradio.com slash episodes slash 12 i'm pretty sure and uh if you guys can rate and review the show on itunes that would be awesome it really helps us uh get discovered and get more people listening and if you got any suggestions for topics or guests hit me up on uh, twitter so thanks a lot guys